0: Let's thank the Lord for each other. For those several of you who raised your hand, that you were, this is your first Sunday this morning. Uh, I would like to invite you to lunch after the service if you don't have anything planned. Several of us go to lunch. There's a, a, African, a South African restaurant about 20 meters outside the door. So just come see me after the service and several of us go over and we'll have lunch together and get to, get to know you better. The next to the last song we sang this morning, where were you when they crucified my Lord? Where were you when he rose again from the dead? Well, let me ask you that question. Where were you? Where was I when they crucified the Lord? Where were you? Where was I when he rose from the dead? Well, you know what? The answer to that question is found in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. We are said and told that our old man was crucified in him. Jesus lives outside of time. He lives outside of time. And the moment you and I were baptized into Christ, the moment you and I became united with his spirit, we became united with him in his death and in his future. We, became, we, we stepped out of time, became one with him, and you and I were in him when he was crucified. And our old man was put to death when Christ was crucified. And in the same way, Romans 6 tells us, as many of us baptized into Christ have also been united with him in his resurrection, that we should walk in this newness of life. So, when Christ rose from the dead, we rose from the dead with Him, because we are eternally fused into Him in His death and resurrection, and that, brothers and sisters, is very good news. Now, this morning, uh, and for those of you who are here early or first time or second time, this past year, we've been going through Christ's Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this is a compilation of possibly the greatest teachings of Christ. If you get the Sermon on the Mount, you've got 85 to 90 percent of everything Christ said about anything. And we've been going through these verses every first Sunday this past year. And this is the last Sunday of the Chinese old year. Getting ready for next, the following first Sunday will be of the Chinese New Year in March. But today we hope to finish up this study on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Today we'll start in Matthew 7, verse 9, but just to review, let me tell you where we ended. We ended with verse 7 and 8. Whosoever seeks shall find, whosoever knocks, the door shall be open. Ask and it shall be given to you, Jesus said. Seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. Now, we talked about last Sunday, or the Sunday before that, that we ask, how do we ask? We ask through prayer. We ask through prayer. And how do we seek? We seek through God's Word. And how do we knock? We knock through obedience. As we pray and and, and intercede to Father, asking Him to help us, then He reveals His truth to us through the Holy Spirit and also through His Word, and then there's a responsibility laid upon us. We must obey. We must obey that which he has revealed to us. And when that happens, when we obey, that's the knocking. Then we find we find the answer. Now after those verses is where we'll start today. Because Jesus says, what, what one of you who have a son who would come and ask for a piece of bread would give him a rock? Or if he would come and ask for a fish which one of you would give your child a serpent? And then he says in the same account in Luke, he said, and which one of you, if his son came and asked for a egg, would give him a scorpion? He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the father give? The Matthew account, all good things, the Luke account, and the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So Jesus is addressing this great question that that has always plagued the mind of believers since Lucifer, since the garden where Lucifer said, basically, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. That's what he told Adam and Eve. God doesn't want you to reach your potential, to become all that you were created to be. God doesn't love you. Jesus has said, which one of you who is a sinner, if his son came and asked for a piece of bread, would give him a rock? Or if he came and asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? Or an egg, a scorpion? If you who are a sinner know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them who ask? Now, brothers and sisters, if you and I are believers, he has already given us the greatest thing he can ever give us, right? His son, Jesus Christ on a cross. So eternity, for eternity, we are sealed in him. But we as believers have an idea that God promises us a bunch of things that aren't in scripture. Do you see in scripture that God promises your children a good education? Do you see in Scripture that God promises you and I fulfillment, uh, a very fulfilling job or a wonderful career? Do you see that anywhere in Scripture? Do you see anywhere in Scripture that God promises you a nice place to dwell? You know what you see in Scripture? You see in Scripture that God promises that he will keep in perfect peace the mind that stayed on him. You'll see in Scripture that God promises that whosoever comes to him whosoever is tired and worn out, he will give them rest. What you see in Scripture is God promises himself, his love, his joy, his very nature to us who will come to him. He doesn't promise anything else. So if all the prayers we prayed, he didn't answer even one of them for that house or that car or that education or whatever, (laughs) he's already given us exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. He has given us eternal salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord and he has given us access to his very presence, to his very life, to his very nature 24-7 every day of the week. And life is not about things, it's not about circumstances, it's about the person of Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and he says come to me and I will give you life. Jesus says come to me and I will give you peace. My peace I will impart to you not as the world gives give I unto you. When Jesus says, if you who are a sinner know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will my heavenly Father give life and the Holy Spirit to you? Now, let's just understand for a moment that we now are in a different dispensation than when the Sermon on the Mount was preached. Because we no longer, if you and I have accepted Christ into our lives, we are no longer sinners. We are saints sin because the second you and I came into Christ our old nature that nature of Adam that Mark talked about it's self-sufficient it's independent it, it seeks its own way that nature was put to death the moment you and I became Christians you might say well Rick, he didn't do a very good job putting that to death in me but it's like the chicken whose head's cut off the second that chicken's head cut off biologically the chicken's dead though he still may run around And our old nature, the nature of Adam and us, was put to death the moment you and I came to Christ. But the life, the life of that nature is still expressed, and that's called the flesh. But we are no longer sinners. We are saints who sin. And the proof that we have been born again, and Mark was talking about this earlier, the proof that we're born again is that we no longer can enjoy our sin. Because sin is absolutely contrary to our newly created nature. It doesn't mean we won't sin, but it means when we sin, it's like sweet in the mouth but it gets very sick in the stomach. So Jesus says here, if you who in whom sin dwells know how to give good things, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit and good things to them who ask. Now, brothers and sisters, the gift of the Holy Spirit is incredible. And we maybe don't talk about it as much. But the gift of the Holy Spirit brings the very life of the Father, the life of the Son into our lives. It brings us his peace. It brings us his joy. It brings us his patience. It brings us his kindness. It brings us his goodness. It brings us his faithfulness. It brings us his self-control. Wouldn't you like that in the person that you're married to? Wouldn't you like that in the person that you work for? Wouldn't the people who know you like that? That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings the life of God, the life of Christ, into our hearts. And it's not us. It's God. The only person who can live the Christian life is Christ himself. And this is where we are. He is calling us to himself that he might live his life through you and through me. And if you... And if I, in whom evil dwells, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit? Good things to those who ask. Jesus goes on to say, "Say Broad is the gate, and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And there will be many who will go in that way. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and there'll be only a few that find it. Broad is the gate, wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many go that way. But narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leads to life, and few that find it. Now, he's speaking on two levels here. The first level he's speaking on is that of our salvation. Jesus himself in John refers to himself as the gate. He says, anyone who passes through me will have eternal life. He tells us earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us in John, no one comes to the Father except by me. This gate is very, very narrow. It is absolutely narrow. Now, all the religions of the world, all the religions of the world have one thing in common trying to purify the believer that he or she can be acceptable to God. They try to purify, the, all the religions in the world teach purification through things that they do, what, prayers, chants, pilgrimages. Teach purification through things that they don't do. We abstain from this, we abstain from this, we abstain from that. Purification through reincarnation. This life, after this life, after this life, but all the whole idea of all religions of the world, with the exception of Christianity, is that man will be edified to the point where he can have communion with God. But Christ, and that's a broad gate. Many pass to God, many pass to God. But Jesus says, no, 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 The gate is narrow. I am the gate. No one comes to the Father except by me. And the reason is, is God does not grade on the curve. You have to be 100% perfect to get into the kingdom of heaven. And because we were born already in sin, none of us have a chance ever to inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is why when Nicodemus came inquiring of Jesus, what basically it would take to be saved or whatever, Jesus said, well, Nicodemus, you would have to be born again. You would have to be recreated. You would have to become something that you are not now. And the second, you and I were born again, we became something we were not before, and we can inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that gate is very, very narrow. And if there's anyone here this morning who feels that there's something in their life that God cannot forgive them for, if there is something that has disqualified them from eternal peace and rest and union with Father, there's nothing that you or I have ever done that can disqualify us. But also on the same token, if there's someone here who thinks that through their good efforts or work or doing things or not doing things that they can be qualified, we can't do enough good things to qualify us. There's only one thing that qualifies anyone And that is the person of Christ and his sacrifice on this cross. Whosoever, Jesus says, accepts me, who comes through me, will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have that life everlasting. Broad is the gate, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Many will go in that way. Narrow is the great, straight is the way that leads to life, and few there will be who find it. Now, there's another, there's another application to that verse. Let's assume that we're all believers. Let's say that this morning, right in this room, 98% of us are believers. But how do we live our lives? You know, the gate is broad that will lead to the destruction of your potential and my potential and the gate is narrow, that will lead, lead you and me to the potential that Christ died for you and I to have and apprehend. The world is full of many choices. You and I can give our hearts to our careers. You and I can give our hearts to politics. You and I can give our hearts to luxury. You and I can give our hearts to sports. You and I can give our hearts to certain relationships. There's many things we can give our hearts to. The the gate is very broad. But to the extent we give our heart to anything and anyone other than Jesus, we don't give it to him. Lucifer is not so concerned with what we do. But he's very concerned about the life of Christ being expressed in you and me. Now, I've given this example before, but I'll give it again. There is a thousand uses for a garden hose. You can take a garden hose and you can put it between two posts and you can hang clothes on it. You can take a garden hose and tie one end behind a tractor and the other, behind, and tie other end of that garden hose onto a, a wagon and you can pull the wagon with it. You can take that garden hose and cut it into a hundred little pieces and make yourself, see if I can find it. Yeah, yeah little bracelet like I have on that says, Jesus loves you. There's a thousand uses for a garden hose, but there's only one intended by the manufacturer. You take that garden hose and you screw it onto a faucet and you turn it on and the water runs through that garden hose. The same is true for believers. There are a thousand uses for believers. And Lucifer is not so concerned if you go dig a well for Jesus or if you write a book about Jesus or if you write a poem about Jesus or you sing a song about Jesus or you go tell somebody about Jesus. That doesn't shake him up at all or you give a million dollars away for Jesus. What concerns Lucifer is that for a moment, you and I might, like that garden hose attached to a faucet, that you and I might abide in Christ instead of the things of this world, because the moment you and I abide in Christ, he abides in us, his life flows through us, just like that water flows through a garden hose, and then the light of the world flows into Lucifer's very dark domain. That's what he doesn't want. And he will do everything, everything to keep us from realizing our potential. He cannot get our salvation, but he certainly, he certainly can steal you and I away from apprehending that for which we have been apprehended by Christ, being his salt and his light in a fallen world. Because he gets us to abide in many things that are not him. He goes on to say, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're like wolves on the hunt. Who's he talking about? What's he talking about? What are the false prophets today? Who are the false prophets today? The false prophets today are those who promise us happiness, joy, and peace in things, in things of this world in achievement, in excellence. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, the pursuit of excellence. The pursuit of excellence is wonderful. The pursuit of perfection is wonderful. But you know what? God doesn't make things perfect. He makes some people deformed. He makes some people tall. He makes some people very, very short. He doesn't make things perfect. Only man and only machines make things perfect. But God makes all things lovely in his own eyes. And if you and I would pursue humility as much as the world would pursue excellence or productivity or power or winning, if we would pursue humility, what would happen? God abases the proud, and he exalts the humble. One of my 14th century mentors says, more truth can be absorbed by a humble mind that can be learned in the schools in 10 years. It's humility, it's brokenness that opens up our minds and our hearts. Receive the words of God, the Spirit of God, and to be that broken bread and poured out wine. Brother Mark was talking to here just this morning. He says, as we comprehend how much God has loved us, therefore, love one another. In fact, that was one of the verses. If Jesus right after his, his verse, right after he comes out saying, If you in whom evil dwell know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He says, therefore, whatsoever you would have men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. If you and I have received such great love and such great favor from Father, we need to go and show that great love and that favor to our fellow man. That same love, that same favor freely have we received we should give freely not expecting anything back in return just give freely he goes on to say many will say to me lord lord have we not prophesied in your name and you've done your name done many great works miracles and he's going he said you know I I've never known you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. Many will come to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Your name done many works. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Now, Mark was also talking about that. The man who says he he becomes a Christian so he can have fire insurance. Now he goes out and lives the way he wants. You know, we can work for Jesus We can talk about Jesus, we can even talk to Jesus, and not know Jesus. When Jesus says, I have never known you, he's talking about the same way Adam knew Eve. I have never had an intimate relationship with you. You have never become one with me. That's what he's saying. We were never one. You were never one with me. About five years ago, I got a call here in Beijing from a man who had been attending this church. And he said, Rick, I'd like to get together and talk to you about my marriage. So I met him over at Starbucks at Pinnacle Plaza and talked about his marriage. And so I just asked him the question. I said, if you were to die today and stand before God and he were to ask you, why shall I let you into heaven, what would you say? He thought a minute. He said, well... Jesus died for sin on the cross. That's the answer. But then I looked at him and I said, Have you ever asked Jesus to die for your sins? He said, No, I didn't know you had to. He said, I just thought the fact that he died for sin would save me. He had an intellectual assent. He understood the theology, but he had never come as an individual broken and saying, I am remorseful for my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And that day the Holy Spirit worked in his life and he did do that. And then he went home and told his wife, and his wife had become a believer many, many years before, but she had just grown cold, and her life was reignited by the Holy Spirit. So at the end of the day, it's not what we know, it's who we know. It's not what we do, but it's who we come to for life. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Brothers and sisters, can you ask or want, can we ask or want for anything more than rivers of living water flowing out of your life, flowing out of my life? Is there any appetite that you have that can't be completely satisfied By Jesus? Is there something left undone in your life? Is there some mountain you haven't climbed or some goal you haven't achieved that, that that need can't be met by Jesus? The gate is broad, the gate is wide. Many false prophets tell you and I, this is where you find satisfaction. This is where you find meaning in life. This is where you find truth. gate is narrow jesus says i am the way to go i am the truth to know i am the life to live there is no life outside me there's no truth outside me there is no knowledge beyond me i am the gate i am very narrow so he concludes based on these things based on 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 my relationship to you He who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, is like a man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and beat upon the house and it did not fall because it had been founded upon a rock. And whosoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus said, and does not do them, is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it." Now, brothers and sisters, where are we building our houses today? Are we building our houses on the things that the world values? Popularity, success, social advancement, higher education? I like higher education. But what are we building our houses on? Are we building our houses on things that are passing and temporal? Or are we building our houses on those things that are real and eternal? This is what Jesus says. If you at I build my house, we build our house upon that which is not him. He is the rock. When the waves come and the winds blow, we will Lo, we will move with it. As I shared with you before, in this world, Jesus says, this is back early in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, basically the paraphrase, in this world, everything moves, everything breaks but me. In this world, everything moves, everything breaks but me. So do not, do not secure yourself in things of this world where everything moves and everything breaks. But place all your security in me, for I will never fail nor forsake you. For where you secure yourself, there your heart will abide. That's what he said. Do not store up treasure. Do not store up security on earth, where moss and rust can corrupt, that are basically vulnerable to everything in every circumstance. Do not secure yourself in things that are vulnerable. Because where your security is, there your heart will abide, and where our hearts abide is where we abide. And when those things we secure ourselves in get broken, then we break with it. When you lose your health, when you lose your job, when you lose a loved one, if our security is in those things, we break with it. But he goes on to say that if we secure ourselves in him, When those things move and those things break, we don't move, we don't break, and actually what happens is when you find something that you at one time held dear, or I held dear for my life, a life-giving thing, and we see that thing breaking, but we're no longer holding on to it, it actually becomes a source of joy because we say, oh, there was a time where had that happened to me. (laughs) I would have been completely miserable. I would have been completely wiped out. But I'm free. And the Son came to set us free, and if we are set free, we are free indeed. This is what Jesus did. He came to tell us that in this world, it's all sinking sand but him. And so he says, do not, do not place your security, do not build your house on that which is not secure. But build your house, place your security in me, in me alone. I will never fail you nor forsake you. For where your security is, there your heart will also abide. Sermon on the Mount is just the greatest of his teachings. Starts off with this pinnacle verse Blessed are those who understand their spiritual poverty. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn their independence. They shall be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the meek, the submitted, the abiding. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all that is good, the bread of life. They shall be filled with the Spirit of God. Blessed are the merciful who receive grace and give grace to others. They shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who seek God, not for what he'll do for them or us, but just for who he is. Blessed are the pure in heart, unmixed in our motives, They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers who bring the peace of God and the truth of God and place themselves and the truth in the middle of a problematic situation. They shall be called sons of God. Uh, Let us bow our heads. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for most of all for your spirit who gives us life. And, Father, as the musicians come forward, uh, the worship leaders to to, to close us today, I would just pray that you, Holy Spirit, would uh, speak to each of our hearts and show us if uh, there's areas where we are anchoring ourselves, where we are grounding ourselves, where we are trying to foundation uh, in things other than you. And that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal these to us. You would give us the grace to exchange the sand for you, Lord Jesus the rock of our salvation.